Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast, powered by Kassoon Carr. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. This week, I'm joined by James Breeze, who's assured us is a three-year qualified lawyer working at Fenchurch Law. For context, Fenchurch Law recently won Boutique Firm and Law Firm of the Year at the Lawyer and LexisNexis Legal Awards. James will be talking about his time spent in both big and boutique law firms and what legal professionals might want to be thinking about when considering working for one or the other. Oh, and I'm pretty confident he'll be constantly talking about his love for his pet dog. So, Mr. Breeze, welcome. Hi, Rob. Thanks for inviting me. Pleasure. Um, I must start by asking the all-important question, as is customary on the Legally Speaking podcast. On the scale of one to ten, ten being very real, how real do you rate the hit series Suits? One on the basis I'm yet to meet a secretary like Donna. (laughs) But does that make you still the Lewis Litt of the world? I consider myself more of a Mike Ross, actually, Rob. Do you? Mike ha- Ross. Harvey next. Harvey next. Harvey next. Okay, interesting. So that's a stark contrast from last week. Um, we had a 10, so we've gone from a 10 to 1. So that's uh, interesting. So you're an insurance lawyer. I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you always want to be a man who was um, specialising in protection? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it's always been at the forefront of my mind, the protection. Um, I set out with an aim to be a litigator, contentious lawyer. That's all I've ever done. Um, training contract was 100% contentious. Uh, that's what excites me. I don't find the non-contentious transaction work particularly exciting. And then my academically, my modules were very insurance focused and my training and uh post-qualification experience all was gearing towards insurance. And I'm now in the past sort of 12, 18 months, very much specialized in insurance. Ah, interesting. So it's fair to say you like arguing with people. That would be fair to say, Rob. Yeah, so, as you well know. As we do know. So James and I actually share many mutual friends. And uh, yeah, most of the time his friends are telling me that he's starting arguments. So is that something you adopted during childhood? Uh, I'd have probably have my, my father to thank. And then I suppose I've had the misfortune of meeting some incredibly irritating people along the way, recruiters included. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, you just, you, you just end up the way you end up. That's true. Very true. Yeah. So I guess we today the, the topic is very much talking about big versus boutique and we've sort of labeled it risk it for a biscuit your sort of career you spent time at both um boutique and big businesses in terms of big firms um it'll be helpful for listeners listening in for you to tell us a bit about what you particularly enjoy in your current sort of boutique firm and and what you also particularly enjoyed in a a sort of big firm um starting with the present i think the the the, the draw for me was the opportunity to have far more responsibility, autonomy as a three, four year qualified lawyer. You're beginning, you're, you're given the opportunity to build your practice. You're trusted to go and do a lot more business development than I've otherwise had the opportunity to do in, in bigger firms. You, you get more involved in cases because by definition, you're working in smaller teams rather than larger teams. And I, I suppose there's, there are steeper learning curves, but you're, you're rewarded on a professional level because you're, you're just learning more and, and you've, you've, there's more opportunity. Um, I suppose the drawbacks off of that and therefore the positive of a bigger firm is that a bigger firm, you've got the support around you. So you yep. go, you go from working 
in, in, a, in venture law, when you're working in smaller teams, smaller teams typically with two or three others, maybe um, in a bigger firm, then you might have six or seven people working on any one case. Um, and then you've also got the support from the sort of administrative case support side. And that's, that's a nice luxury to have, particularly in litigation, where it's often backs against the walls and, and last minute sort of deadlines. Yeah. And did you, do you find from your experience being in a boutique firm versus a big firm that having a big firm and a big badge going to sort of, you know, pitches or working on cases helped? Or do you think that didn't have an impact at all? No, I think it did. I remember the first sort of networking event I went to at Fenchurch Law. And uh, I've, I should have said at the start, I've switched to claimant side, whereas previously my career, I've worked exclusively on the defendant side. Yeah. Um, and the first networking event I went to at Fenchurch Law uh, was a with a lot bigger firms where people knew each other and there, there was a certain gravitas that came with that name. And secondly, I was the only claimant lawyer and I came back to, to the firm the next day and said, I now know, know what it feels like to be the, the only claimant lawyer in, in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, to answer your question, I think the, the big, the big names, it carries some weight. Yeah. And when you say people, you know, attracted to thinking about making a boutique move, um, lots more responsibility you know, that in reality, what does that actually mean? You know, what have you actually had a step up or an opportunity to do a lot more of that you've particularly enjoyed and also what you found quite challenging as a result of that? Um, for me, the most enjoyable part is the business development side. So I, I've always, that's always been my interest. I think a lot of my strengths lie within a client facing environment, business development and going out and winning work and, and sort of networking, marketing myself and my firm. Um, uh, my personal experience, and it's probably not the same for everybody in every firm, but my personal experience is there's less of that when you're in a bigger firm because it tends to be more partner-led. If you're a smaller firm, then there's not always that luxury because the, the numbers are smaller and it's, it's, it, it's, it's incumbent upon everyone to try and win the work. So I've enjoyed the trust that's placed in me to go and do that within reason. I mean, clearly mm. you don't have sort of carte blanche, but you, you do what you can. And then on the sort of what I've not enjoyed, um, I, I suppose you have less choice to be able to pick work because the work that's available is the work that's available and you can't cherry, cherry pick what you do or don't. Whereas in a bigger, bigger firm, it's a conveyor belt. There's never, there's never a lack of work and you can almost pick what you, you choose to get involved with, who you work in, work with, that sort of thing. So that's a trade-off, but for me, it was it was a trade-off that was absolutely worth making and I was ready to make and I've, I've not looked back. Okay, good. And I think, again, people wanting to move from a big firm, maybe their hours are quite heavy, you know, they're kind of giving a bit of a sacrifice on the work-life balance side of things. How have you found that in terms of sort of big versus boutique? Um, I think the difference is you're, you're trusted, certainly where I am, trusted to, to manage your own time. Yeah. The in terms of hours worked, it's no different because you're not working any less hard. Um, you, there's a Did you just say you're a hard worker, James? That's true. Yeah, you know me by now. <laughs> How many years? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you managed to sneak that into the podcast. Unbelievable. Hope you heard that, boss. Um, <laughs> um, but there's more flexibility as to when you when you when you do do the work. Um, but in terms of sort of numbers of hours worked per week, I don't think it's a huge amount different. I mean, at a bigger firm, there tends to be a bit more rigidity in terms of staying late. But part of that is because of the environment you're working in. If you, if you step away from your desk at 6 p.m. in a bigger firm, then you're almost certainly going to be the only one stepping away from your desk at 6 p.m. And that comes with a certain reputation if you're doing that too often. Whether or not it's it's accepted as as being true, I think it it 
sort of experience tells me that in in a, in those sorts of firms when you you just you've just got to stay a bit later and you and not least because there's there there's more volume of work and if you've got more a greater volume of work then you've got a greater number of deadlines so i, I just yeah. I, I just think there's a bit more to to worry about there with that so in terms of progress do you think it's easier to progress in a big or a small firm up the ranks suppose i was answer that question next year once i've been made been promoted or not as the case may be. But, um no i think i mean theoretically i think it should be easier in a smaller firm because in a bigger firm you've got a flatter structure with loads of associates trying to all vying for a smaller number of places but um there's probably less structure for it in a smaller firm so it's it's, uh, I suppose it's much more dependent on the relationships you have um, rather than it being a tick box exercise in a bigger firm where you've just got to work through a framework and tick off all the competencies and, and do the rest of it uh, and all the rest of it. But um, I think in, in, I think in theory it should be a bit easier on a small firm, but I'll let you know. Yeah. Okay. And let's assume you do get to go out of the office. Um, I know full well you're a man with a few quirky habits. So what do you tend to get up to when you're not sort of grinding away? What keeps you busy outside of work? Cue his first reference to his dog. Uh, You've got a dog, right, James? I've got a dog. Yeah. As you well know, a French bulldog. Yeah. Um, Name? Walter. Walter, French bulldog. Um, He's, uh, yeah, he, he consumes a lot of my, my spare time. Um, although my other half might say not as much as her, but that's a, that's an ongoing debate. Uh, all things sport apart from the dog. So I assume that's watching rather than playing. Look at your general physique today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, my, my, my consistent playing years are behind me, um, <laughs> But, but I, I, I still get out on the pitch and I still run. Don't worry about that. They, they, they tend to be my, my main activities, which makes me sound pretty dull, actually. But um, I'm an exciting chap, as you well know. <laughs> yeah, it's all rock and after roll, After a right? few beers. Yeah, after a few beers. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. So I guess on, on beers, but let's let's look at some of the sort of the, the, the minor things, shall we say, that are also the big important things. Biscuits. So big law firm versus little law firm, who does the best selection of biscuits? Are you picking up on my physique again? <laughs> uh, we don't have biscuits, so there's your answer. There you go. There you go. And when you're at big law firms, which were your, uh, which were your favourites? We had clubs, those little oh, chocolate bars. The orange. Or oh, the... you know about them, do you? Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> orange or the purple ones, or both? Uh, purple. Yeah, yeah, good. good. You approve? I'm very much approving. But in terms then of probably a little bit more... Moving on within big versus small, boutique versus big, egos and heroes. Do you think you found from your experience more egos in the bigger firms or more egos in the boutique firms? And similarly on the heroes side, the people who are actually prepared to help you, upskill you, develop you more so in the big or, or boutique. Just share a bit of your kind of experiences on that. Um, starting with the latter, I think there, there are more heroes again, my experience and in smaller firms and why is that? Well, I think it's because people, I think, I think it's, it's in their interest more so to invest the time in you, because I think there's a direct product that comes out of them investing their time in you and it benefits them as a smaller firm. Um, there's, it's also because the environment you're working in, as I touched on earlier, I think it's within everyone's interest to to get it right because you're working in smaller teams. Um, 
that's not to say that there aren't heroes in bigger firms. I've worked with incredible people in bigger firms. I've learned an awful lot from. In terms of egos, um, I don't think it's really much different. I think you get egos in in all firms. Um, in in a boutique, as you've labelled it, then you'll 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 get you'll get egos because they've joined smaller firms from bigger firms. And if you if you say you only get egos in bigger firms, then by default, when they move away, then they're taking their ego with them. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. So, if people are work shy, then should they choose a big or a small firm? Because as we know, every lawyer, some lawyers would just like to get the work done and get out. So, what's your advice to those? If you're work shy, it might, it might, it might, it might not be the the answer people expect. But I think potentially a big firm because I think you can hide more in a big firm. I think yeah. the the hours targets are demanding. But as I said before, there all there's always the workflow to to allow you to achieve those targets or obligations. But you've got hundreds or thousands of people within around you that that can sort of guide you and offer you offer you assistance. And yeah. there's perhaps an argument that you become a bit reliant on that. Whereas in a smaller firm, you're you're still working hard, but because there's the intensity of working in a smaller firm and working directly with or for a partner, then you can't afford to slack. Um, so for anybody who thinks it's a step down, I think that might be misguided. Okay, fair enough. And we've got a few is it trues um, that people have uh, asked about. Is it true that your dog's Instagram page has more followers than you? Given I don't have Instagram, that would be absolutely accurate, yeah. So what's Walter on at the moment? Uh, I don't know. Probably not quite a hundred. Not quite. It started off as a great marketing idea, and I thought <laughs> I, I thought I could get some some money out of this stupid expense I decided to take on at the request of my other half. Yeah. It's not quite happened. So I've now just used his Instagram to follow various sports pages. Just sports pages. Yeah, yeah. Disclaimer: sports pages. Yeah, okay. I did sign this form earlier. Yeah, exactly. Um, is it true you're using this podcast recording as hours towards your BD target? I plead the fifth. (laughs) And is it true you don't know your own SRA number? No, I do know it, actually. Go on. I can't tell you that. (laughs) Okay, so that's three out of three lies from James, guys. (laughs) Okay, so buzzwords. 575931. There we go. There we go. Who knows? Google it. Find out. Um, So we all hear the buzzwords in law firms, people talking about, you know, this, that, and the other. But from your time in, in big and boutique law firms, what are some of the buzzwords you've particularly picked up on in those two different environments and you particularly hate? I'm not sure it's a buzzword, but the word boutique, I yeah. think, is is created by a recruiter. Nobody knows what it means. It's just a, a firm other than the big firm. Yeah. Um, and from a bigger firm, I'm not sure really I had much sort of buzz experience as to words. I don't know, maybe uh, um, SLAs, things like that, service level agreements, client agreements, and various targets have to... Yeah. Yeah, hit with all of that. It's always those which like is definitely not buzzwords. Yeah, yeah, but it's like there's annoying acronyms, or, or or someone comes up with a new acronym or something like that, just sort of yeah throws you off kilter, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, cases. You've well, obviously- it's like the recruiter's buzzword is synergy, isn't it? Like that's another one that nobody knows what that I means. Yeah, what does it mean? It could be nothing. Well, you tell me, Rob. Oh, you need to speak to a good recruiter about that. <laughs> <laughs> so cases, then you know you've got a lot that you can talk about, but which are some of the cases you've most enjoyed from your time in a bigger firm and versus a smaller firm and yeah, why, why is that? Let's start with the big. Which case, you know, that you can talk about, what have you particularly enjoyed and got involved in? I sort of approach the question slightly differently and say, and say cases collectively and what I enjoy 
yeah. work on rather than one single case. Um, and I think in a bigger firm, you'll work on some pretty high profile cases. Um, you're working in a bigger team where you're getting various different opinions discussed and worked through. And I think there's a real, there's, there's, there's a real pressure that's created about it, but it's quite, it's quite a nice, a nice pressure because you're, you're, I know you're, you're working with the clients and we have a pretty large legal team trying to come up with the right answer. Um, what I found particularly enjoyable is you tended to have far more aggressive tactics and some of that may have been, uh, as a result of the funding and some sort of security within the firm and the firm's client base in the sense that they could afford to take more risks. That's not to say that smaller firms wouldn't take risks, but I think there is more of a safer approach sometimes. Mm. Um, as to why I enjoy working at the, the, the boutique firm, um, I think there's a real camaraderie created because everyone's got a vested interest in the case. And as I said before, you're working in a small team, so everyone's, everyone's really pulling together to try and achieve whatever objective Mm. Objective has been sent in the short and long term, um, and as a product of working in a smaller team, then you end up having, uh, on some cases, quite a significant role. Even as a a, a relatively junior lawyer, mm. um, because they're, they're they're just not the same resources available. So, I think I said before that it's, it's a learning curve, and and you and you got to dip your toes in areas that you're not necessarily familiar with, and and, and it's great exposure. Yeah. And I guess some people's reservations about maybe moving to smaller firms is, you know, big firms are very good at marketing themselves in terms of not only the best cases, but also training resources, those sort of things. So it's obviously very important for people when they're trying to kind of further their legal careers. How have you found sort of development training in a smaller firm versus being in a bigger firm? There's less of a sort of a foundation there, I suppose, for for support and training. There's not a huge amount of resources and budgets like you would get in a big firm as far as yeah. I know. Um, but that said, I think it's very, I think it's probably demand and request driven. So I have no doubt that if I wanted to go and learn or further my sort of exposure to a particular area or learn something, then I would be given the backing to do that. But I think there has to be a justification for it. As to sort of regular CPD type events, then we still have that. We still have people come in. We'll still do them internally. And there'll still be courses that that we would attend, but there's just less of a sort of infrastructure for for training in place. But as I say, I think if, uh, certainly my experience is that if there's a justification for you going to attend a particular course, and it's happened to me previously, then then you're you're, you're given the opportunity to do that. And I don't think I think it would be unusual for any law firm to try and curb your learning in that respect. Yeah, um, and it, I suppose it puts more of an onus and responsibility on the individual because you've got to identify your own training needs, and that's in keeping with the SRA's change SRA's changing stance on learning recently. Um, rather than you just be given this framework to work to work to a big firm and and you just attend the courses without really any thought about what benefit or otherwise it has on your practice. Yeah. And you've talked quite a bit about BD, um, particularly in sort of maybe a smaller firm. We'll, we'll move away from using the word boutique um, yeah. just, just to keep you happy. Um, you know, given that you're 
by your own self-admission, good at arguing with people. I guess you can't do that initially when you're going out to try and find new clients. And sort of what tips would you give people or what? Don't you argue had? with a client, prospective clients. That would be my first. <laughs> yeah. well, well, I don't know how you do it, Rob. But. <laughs> yeah, that's probably sage advice. But I mean, typically, what else would you do? or What else have you incorporated? Because you wouldn't have had so much of that experience coming out of a big law firm, right? So have you just sort of chucked yourself into that? Have you kind of found mentors? How have you kind of got yourself good at the job? Because that's a big part of joining a smaller firm is showing you can do it, right? Yeah, I think without trying to sound arrogant, but I think I always had the sort of qualities potentially to do it, but then it's about having a, a, an environment in which you're encouraged to, well, they really harvest that sort of personal development rather than just coming in and doing the job, because I think any qualified lawyer can do the job to, to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, and I was keen to really build on what I thought were certain qualities that I had that will enable me in years to come to be well positioned to win work and, and, and all the rest of it. But the biggest sort of compliment that perhaps I can have and the only way I can really answer the question is that you're trusted to go and build that network and practice for yourself. Um, I didn't have many of an opportunity to do it at a bigger firm, but that's, I think that's just because of the demands for work and it was very partner focused and say there was, there was less of a responsibility onus or expectation for associates to go out and do that. Certainly at that level. I mean, if you're seven, eight years qualified then things might be different, but I'm, I'm not there at the moment. So I can't, can't say. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you're just encouraged to, to, to go out and do that. And we have specific, um, sort of training and learning and growth sessions internally at Fenchurch Law which really look at honing the skills for going to win work because it's so important to what we do and we spend quite a lot of our time on on the business development side of things then there's really a culture of trying to encourage people to do that and we all go and go and give seminars and webinars and and things like that and and I think that that that's quite unique for for associates at our level yeah. And culture is a massive thing. And everyone talks about the word collegiate. That's a buzzword that actually annoys me when people talk about the word collegiality, because what does that actually mean? Um, but how have you found the cultures in terms of big versus small? And yeah, tell, tell us a little bit more about that. On the bigger firms I've worked at, then I think there was a certain intensity there, as most people would expect to come with a bigger firm. Um, so there was less opportunity throughout the day to have a breakaway chat and anatta um for reasons i've touched on i don't think moving to a smaller firm is a step down and, in, and if anything the spotlight's on you to to be working um and so i think there's 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 a different intensity that's created because because you you're in a smaller environment and you've got to do what you need to do i mean naturally it's 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 a jovial atmosphere it's a fun place to be but it's it, alongside that is there is an expectation that everyone's got work to do so I, to, to me i don't think i couldn't draw much of a distinction distinction between it um i think okay, in a smaller okay. Place, who, who has better banter big or small i'm gonna say big really yeah okay because you've got you've got a larger associate pool which yeah. um you can mix and have a chat with and break away wherever possible mm-hmm. and go to the pub after yeah, so you seem to, seems to talk about the pub quite a lot, James. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm recovering. Yeah, recovering. <laughs> good, good. If you could give one piece of advice to a junior self, your junior self, other than you probably should have been an investment banker for the hours that you guys work, what would it be? Um, probably establish 
and maintain relationships as early as possible and consistently. Um, I've been banging on about the BD. If I'd known some of what I'd known now and be as comfortable with it back then as I am now, then I think I would be in slightly better place. And that's really interesting because we've had a couple of, um, so the other week we had on the the chairs of the London Young Lawyers Group um, and they do a lot of uh, networking events. And you went to the Supreme Court, didn't you? We did do an event at the Supreme Court with them. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Did you see that? I did, yeah. yeah, yeah. A few times. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> Didn't mean to miss those sort of things. Um, but one thing that, you know, they're really passionate about and I think we're, we're kind of helping and wanting to help raise that profile is the fact now to be a lawyer, you need to be able to network. You need to have those people skills. You can't just be sort of stuck in the documents, particularly if you are think you're taking, you know, courageous moves or wanting to move to a smaller firm. And, um, you know, is there anything that you would say to that or encourage people to do? And, you know, anything that you've particularly found that's helped you in terms of that? No, I think, I think, I think you're exactly right because it's expected more and more. And if the day, the day and age we live in now and where it's all moving, then I think there will be more of an expectation for people, lawyers to be familiar with or comfortable with this sort of thing. Historically, I think people were just, people, lawyers were just expected to be able to do the job and do the job well. But as I said earlier, I think if you're a qualified lawyer, to one degree or other, everybody can can do the task. Yeah. Some people might do it better than others. Some people might be able to do it quicker than others, but I think everybody at some stage will, will get there. Um, what's going to set people apart as they move up through the ladders is being able to do the networking BD side. And I think for lawyers generally, it's an area that nobody really feels comfortable with. Um, And there are certain things that I wouldn't feel comfortable with. And even now I'm probably not that comfortable with. And all I would say is just throw yourself into it because if you think what's the worst that can happen, it's never actually that bad. Um, And if you think rationally, what's the worst that can happen, then it's often even less of an issue than what you, the image you build up in your head. So I think the quicker you just, chuck yourself in there and do it, the more, the quicker you're going to become more comfortable with it and, and just, and just begin to enjoy it or, or just embrace it as you need to. Okay. And there's a couple of questions before we wrap up. I think, you know, big things again that are going on the law, legal tech, people are talking about this left, right and center. How have you found that again, moving from a big law firm, tons of resources, probably lots of investment versus a small law firm, you know, inevitably it's creeping in, whether you've against it or for it, it's coming. So, you know, what's been your experiences of that? And what would you say to people thinking about big versus small with regards to legal tech and supporting it? I mean, as I said before, the, the, the resources and the support network are obviously there at a bigger firm, the infrastructure is there. So I think naturally you'll have less of that available to you in a smaller firm. And certainly the technology and various tools that are available to you might not be quite as advanced, but I think us as a firm certainly embrace it. And we, and we, and we, we're looking at ways to improve our own practices for our benefit and for a client's benefit. Um, and that there are committees that I think look at these sorts of things and where an investment could or should be made, because as you say, it's coming. And I, I, I think it's coming to, to the benefit of all of us really. Um, so it should be actively encouraged. I suppose that might be another tip to very junior lawyers that are looking on coming through the ranks. So that as familiar as you can get with technology, the, the better I suspect. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the technology is designed to help. And I think if it can free up a bit of time so people can work on the networking side of things and all those, I think it's only going to be a positive. Um, I do have a very serious question for you, though. Um, 
Would you tell by your face it won't? (laughs) (laughs) Don't play poker. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Would you like to take this opportunity now you are on the Legally Speaking podcast to apologise for that woeful LinkedIn profile picture of you? I mean, what are you doing signalling with those hands? (laughs) (laughs) I get a a phenomenal amount of stick for that photo. I thought I thought it was quite good, so I'm not extending an apology to to anyone. Um, Deadly serious, approachable. And then there was some loose hands as well. Yeah. So is that your BD pitch? Just check out my loose hands. <laughs> I can't possibly give any secrets away. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Um, James, uh, final thoughts from you. Um, we're all human at the end of the day. What's going on in the personal world outside of Walter and the dog? Anything else that you're trying to focus on? I mean, myself, I keep continually telling people I'm trying to get fit. Um, not working, is yet, it? Not shrug- yet struggling with that. So what's going on in the world of Mr. Breeze? Anything exciting? Got anything planned? Um, got some really exciting things coming up, including a big trip to South Africa in, in December for a couple of weeks, uh, two back-to-back weddings over there. So it's going to be a very painful third day. Yeah. Um, Whereabouts in South Africa? Just outside Cape Town in the Winelands. Um, back on the alcohol again, are we? Back on the alcohol. Yeah. 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 You know me, never far away. Um, <laughs> uh, and then... Um, yeah, just various, various bits throughout the year, really. But uh, that's that's what I'm looking forward to next. Good stuff. All right, James. Well, really good to catch up with you. Thanks for popping on. I'm sure there's lots of good extra content there for people to dig their heels into, particularly considering small versus big. I think we've alleviated the word boutique off the back of today. So, yeah, thanks for coming and uh, over and out. Cheers, Rob.